saying it was out of envy that the chief priests had handed Jesus over to him. Out of envy. What led us to this point? What led the chief priests, the Pharisees, and so many of the people to demand a murderer back free and to kill an innocent man? A man who had done so much for their communities, healed their sick, fed the hungry, and so much more. Well, that's what envy is about, isn't it? It's not liking that someone else did good because, well, it wasn't you doing it. Or it's taking offense at the good someone received because it wasn't you getting it. As we walk into Luke chapter 15 for our meditation tonight, we see that there's an envy problem. For the Pharisees and for our own hearts too. In fact, we hear that Jesus has all of these tax collectors and sinners gathering around him to hear him. And so then the Pharisees begin to mutter to each other, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And so Jesus, the masterful teacher that he is, takes them on a journey through three parables to bring to light their envy that was hiding in their hearts. First, it was the parable of a shepherd who had a hundred sheep but lost one. So he left the other 99 to go seek out the one, and when he found it, he threw a party. He gathered his friends and neighbors together to celebrate, to share in his joy. And that makes sense, right? We'd, we'd celebrate with a shepherd who found his sheep. And so then Jesus told another parable. There was a woman who had ten coins, ten silver coins, and she lost one. So she swept the whole house to find that one lost coin. And when she did, she invited her friends and neighbors over to share her joy. She found her lost coin. Sure, that makes sense too. I mean, that's a lot of hoopla for one coin. But I guess we jump in and join in with the festivities. There's not much to be envious of there. But now in his third parable, it's a son. A son who received from his father his inheritance, a gracious gift from his father. But he went and squandered it on wild living, on prostitutes, on whatever his heart desired. And before he knew it, it all came crashing down. He hit rock bottom. There was no money left. And he had a job that was so shameful for a Jew. Feeding filthy, unclean swine. With hunger so great that the pig slop was like a gourmet dinner to him. Kind of seems like that's what he deserved. After all that reckless living with such gracious and good things his father had given him. But hold on a minute. He comes to his senses. And he goes back to his father. And before he can even speak a word of apology to his father, his arms are around him in a loving embrace. His kiss is on his cheek. He brings his best robe and puts him on it. And before we know it, a celebration has broken out. He kills the fattened calf for him to throw a feast 
because he has his son back safe and sound. But hold on, wait a minute. This guy didn't deserve that. He completely squandered his father's wealth and he gets the finest of dinners, the finest of feasts. A lost sheep? Sure, we'll celebrate that with a shepherd. I mean, we, we don't have sheep after all. The Pharisees weren't shepherds. A lost coin? Sure, we'll celebrate a lost coin. I mean, what's to be envious of? We've got much more than ten coins. But this guy? Look at what he did. He certainly didn't deserve a celebration. Maybe we'd deserve something like that more. Jesus anticipates this natural reaction of envy. And so he tells us of an older son. This older son went out doing his work faithfully in the field for his father. And he comes back to the sound of a party. And he thinks, what, what could this possibly be? So he calls that servant over. And the servant tells him, your brother has come, he's told. Your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him safe and sound. This should be the greatest reason to rejoice, no? Not an animal that's found, not a coin that's found, but a person. A person who is so lost in sin, so lost in rock bottom at, with poverty, and now he was back, brought into the grace and love of his father. Join in the joy. Join in this father's unexpected love. But instead, it's just anger, resentment, and envy from this older brother. The brother refuses to go in and join the joy. And why? Well, it's because it wasn't for him. He deserved better. He was the one who was working hard. He deserved the party. But look at this loving father. He leaves the joyous celebration to go and plead with his son. But all he gets back is an outflow of envy. Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Do you think that older brother woke up that morning ready to voice this complaint? Probably not, right? He seemed content to be out in the field, faithfully doing his father's work, to be part of his father's household. He stayed, after all. But it was only after something good happened to someone else, his reckless brother, no less. And then suddenly, it just wasn't enough. He couldn't be content anymore. No, he deserved better. He had worked harder. But that's what envy is, isn't it? We're happy for a time. We're thankful for what God has given us and the grace that he's lavished on us. But then we see something else. The fact is, we're born in sin and born with this predisposition toward envy. Take Three children, for example. I tell them I'm feeling really nice, and I'm going to give them each a lollipop. So I go to that first child, and I say, here you go. Here's your favorite flavor of a dum-dum sucker. And that kid's like, oh, awesome. I love candy. Of course he's going to take the favorite flavor, and he's, he's got joy. I go to that second child, and I say, here you go. Here's your favorite dum-dum sucker. And that child's 
super excited. She's, she's sharing in the joy with the other child. They're having little dum-dum sucker sword fights. You know, whatever it is, they're, they're excited. But then I go to the third child, and I pull out one of those jumbo rainbow lollipops with the fancy wrapper. Oh, and you could just see her face, her unexpected joy at this awesome gift. Well, what about those other two kids? Are they sharing in the joy? No, you can almost see it. The joy melting off their faces and looks of, now hold on, wait a minute. What did she do to deserve that? Haven't we been the ones who have been good in school who have actually got our homework done? She didn't do anything this week. And yesterday, didn't she get in trouble? But has this childhood envy really left us? You know, suddenly they weren't content with the thing they were so happy just a second ago. But let's talk about that older brother again. Imagine for a moment he had already received a party with the young goat and his friends like he said he wanted. Would he not still be envious that his rebellious brother got the fattened calf while he just got a young goat? No matter what we have, we love to convince ourselves, God, no, we deserve something better. Look at how hard we've been working. And after stating all the reasons that why we should deserve it, envy so often follows this cycle, doesn't it? We then move on to saying why that person definitely doesn't deserve it. And so envy goes on in this vicious cycle. And that's what it did for the older brother, too. This son of yours, notice he doesn't even call him his brother. This son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home and he's the one that gets the fattened calf. But do you see what envy does to us? It leads us to forget the amazing grace and blessings God has already given us. Suddenly it just doesn't seem as good as what he's given to someone else. Suddenly we just don't feel quite as special when some other really bad sinner is also transformed by that grace. In fact, envy wants us to change the definition of God's goodness. It wants us to change it to God giving us what we think we deserve. But that's silly. Because if God gave us what we deserve, we would have nothing. Nothing but an eternity of, of hell waiting for us. But that's not what God's goodness is, is it? No, God's goodness is giving us what we could never earn or deserve. That's what grace is all about. It's undeserved love. It's unexpected. It's unearned. It's unfair. It's the shepherd leaving the other 99 to go find the one sheep that wandered. It's a father who shows love to the one rebellious son that squandered. God's grace is unexpected and unearned. So when somebody receives something that, yeah, 
they didn't deserve. Because none of us deserve any of these blessings God gives us. So when they receive, don't let envy grow like cancer. Join in the joy of them, with them. Join in the joy of the gracious giver. Let's remember that undeserved and unexpected love is what our God is all about. Who was that older son, after all, to be born into a household with such a gracious father? And who are we to be born into this Christian faith or to be found by God, to be sitting here in his house, to know him? It's nothing we earned or deserved. God, our Father, says to you, child, everything I have is yours. You are always with me. Salvation is yours. My love is yours. Heaven is yours. Everything you actually need is yours because I know it. So stop the envy. And join in my joy. Join in the joy of the gracious giver. And that's the key, isn't it? Not making our joy dependent on what we think we deserve. But on God and his grace. For we should be lost and dead. But we've been found and made alive by the one who pleads with us. So join the joy of looking to the cross instead of self. Join the joy when others' cups overflow with blessings too. Join the joy that Christ faced what those cries of crucify, crucify called for. So that we could join the joy, both now and forever at the heavenly banquet, together, in Christ. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding ever keep your hearts and minds in the true faith until life everlasting. Amen.